up. Every family has a crazy uncle. <laughs> um, it is great to be together. Wow. I'm a little scared. This is incredible. I wish you guys could see what it looks like from up here. Um, it is awesome to be together, the whole family together this Sunday, that we are a family, and, and uh, my wife and I were just talking. I mean, as soon as Antley got up and was, was uh, talking about this idea of family, I mean, it's so true for us, for, for my family. We feel like this is it. I mean, this is our family. We feel connected. We feel, you know, this is where we belong. This is, this is you know, when people in this church are hurting, you know, we hurt with them. When, when there's stuff that's going on in the church, we're connected to it. We feel a part of it. And my hope, my prayer is that, that we will continue to grow and continue to impact people like that, that you'll find uh, hopefully this to be your church home. The, the prayer this morning, um, or the reading this morning is actually a prayer. From, and this is Jesus praying. And it's the, the night before, it's right before he's going to be betrayed and go to the cross. And he's with his disciples. And these are the last words, really, that they hear from him before he's going he's to go through the cross and go through that process. And he prays for them. And uh, then he turns and he prays this prayer. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone, not for just my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Just think about the idea that this is Jesus' prayer. That's a weird thing to, to consider just to start with. I mean, I can't even fathom the Trinity and it, all its intricacies and all, but here is God the Son praying to God the Father. There, you know there is power in this prayer. We talk about, well, what would Jesus do? And well, we know what Jesus' prayer was. We know the, the cry of his heart as he's pouring it out to the Father and saying, I pray that they would be one that they would be in complete unity. Complete unity. And that word complete is complete. I mean, think about it. It's not like, you know, hey, the, the, uh, I call it the Rodney King prayer. You know, I pray just that they would all get along, you know. Can't we all just get along? It's not that. I pray that they don't kill each other. I find myself with my kids. That's my prayer. It's like, please, God, just let them not, you know, destroy each other. But Jesus' prayer is that they would be complete unity, that they would align themselves perfectly. Oneness, harmony, agreement, that they would align themselves in such a way as to be in complete unity. And there's all different degrees of unity. And, you know, I love, I love to talk about the unity within the body, the whole body, the whole church, Everywhere. And, and you think about um, 
you know, a couple weeks ago, or right before Christmas, when we had that the fire at Hendricks Avenue Baptist. And the news started to cover how the churches in town were getting behind Hendricks Avenue. And they were rallying behind them. And they were demonstrating to the whole community in Jacksonville the unity that we have as a whole church body, as a church universal of all of our churches together. And I love that. But this morning, physically, we're all unified as the local church, as the local, as River City Church, as our family. And there is, when Jesus talks about this complete unity, he's not just talking about unity, you know, out here. He's talking about it within our church body, that we would be completely unified. There would be a much higher degree of unity within River City Church, that we would be in agreement, in harmony, that there would be a oneness of mind. Antley talks about, you know, the vision that, that God has given him for this community. It's very specific. It's for River City Church. It's for this family. And we hear that vision and we align ourselves with it because we want to be unified with our church. And Jesus' prayer is that we would be completely unified in that. And I'm not saying that it's for everybody because there might be people that come in and say, well, I don't feel called to this community or I don't, I don't, I don't believe in the things that, that, that uh, God is doing here. I, I'm, I'm more excited about what God is doing somewhere else. That's fine. We can still be in complete unity. They just need to be part of a different body that's going there. We're all in agreement. We want to see the kingdom of God break through, whether it's breaking through over on the beaches in, in Julington Creek or whether or not it's breaking through in this community that we've been called to. But the unity that we've been called to is to find a church that we, we can align ourselves with, that we can be in complete unity, that we can say, you know what, I am, I am willing to get on board with this vision. I'm excited about this vision. This is where I want to go. And it's not fake. It's not pretending that there aren't differences or pretending that there aren't issues or pretending that, you know, there aren't things that are going to come up. We're going to talk a lot about the scripture that talks about that in a second. But it's not pretending. You know, I got, I got saved in a, uh, a Baptist church. And it was a funny Baptist church. Well, I don't, know. I don't know if all Baptist churches like this, but this Baptist church, everybody called everybody brother and sister. So I'm brother Tom, baby. And pastor's brother Fred, you know. You called everybody, but, and, it, and it was great, but it kind of created a false, you know, I'm talking to somebody I barely know, I'm calling him brother. You know, there's kind of this fakeness to it, because I really don't know anything about you, dude. I, I just, you're brother, because that's what I'm supposed to do. But, but you see in that, that, you know, that we are called to not fake it. We're called to actually know the people around us. We're called to actually break down walls and, and engage with the people around us. Okay. Wow. So, communion. <laughs> let's take a look. Put up, put up those verses. These are some of the things in Scripture uh, that we're told. When, when it talks about being unified, that we would, be, that we would come together. Th- these are some of the things that we, we see in Scripture. That we would love one another. That we would depend on one another. That we would honor one another. Rejoice and weep with one another. Admonish one another, serve one another, forgive, encourage, bear one another's burdens. This is the picture that we see in Scripture of of unity, of what it means to come together, what it means to have a common unity, community. 
Right? That's where the, the word comes from, that we would come together, that we would have a common unity, that we would share each other's burdens, that we would um, love one another, depend on one another, encourage one another. The, the, this is what we see in Scripture. Respecting differences. Respecting differences, not pretending. Not pretending like we're always in agreement. Respecting those things. And you know, it's great, because it's... it's, it's uh, what do we want to call Sunday? It, this is Super Church Sunday because we're all together in one service. Super River City Church. And we're all excited about it. But when you look in the scriptures, unity is never, it's never like, hey, unity's easy. Unity's awesome. This is the kind of language that we see in scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I could have picked, there's so many verses, and they all have the same kind of tone. Bear with one another. Make every effort. There's this idea that in order for us to be unified, it will take work. That it, that it will take us actually making a conscious effort to, to stay unified. It doesn't come across as, you know, easy, something that's just naturally going to happen. It's something that, that we have to work towards, and there's all kinds of things that we have to understand. And this morning, as I was, um, you know, as I was preparing for this morning, I just, I just kept coming back to talking about the things that we're going to face, talking about the things that will come against the unity that we've been called to, talking about what we're, what we're going to see, not, not because of River City Church, not because of anything that we've done, but just because when we read in the scriptures, it talks about these are the things that you're going to face. These are the things that you have to overcome to accomplish the unity that Jesus has prayed for, that Paul has talked about. These are the things that you're going to come up against. And so what are some of those things that we're going we're gonna to face? And why? Why is it even worth talking about? But think about this for a second. The more unified we are in vision, in focus, in where we're going, then the more effective we can be. And so specifically for River City Church, we've been called to affect a a particular community and to see the kingdom of God break through in that community and to see people set free from from bondage, uh, healed from wounds that they've carried with them. So we want to see that at an even greater degree. We want to see that more and more. And it's not because we're selfish, and it's not because, uh, you know, that that we want to be touted in the newspaper or something, but because we believe God's given us this vision, and we want to see it happen. And so why do we talk about the things that that will distract us from that unity? It's so we can be more effective, and we can do those things. And the first thing, I think, underlying all of the things that will come against unity is the idea that there is a There's an enemy. That there is an enemy, and he, and he, Jesus refers to him as the father of lies. That he lies. And Jesus says, you know, I, my prayer is that they would be one. Well, what do you think the enemy wants? The enemy would want to divide us. The enemy wants to come in and, and, and use strategic lies to divide us up. We can't believe those lies, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the specific ones and how they might hurt us, but... um. The enemy is the one that Jesus talks about as coming only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Jesus comes to bring life. He's real, and, and these are the things that, 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 that he wants. He wants to break us up. He wants there to be disunity. He wants to isolate us. He wants to separate us. He doesn't want us to have a common unity. The Screw Tape Letters is a great, uh, a great book. Con- uh, Screw Tape Letters is a book by a guy named C.S. Lewis, and he kind of like gets in the mind of a demon, all right? It's nothing weird, Harry Potter-ish, okay? I'm not trying to say anything like that. I'm just saying, like, it's meant to be a fictional, kind of humorous look at what would it be like? What, what do you think demons think about? Like, as they're tempting people and they're trying to, you know, do their thing, what are the things that they do? And so it's written from the perspective of Uncle Wormwood writing to his nephew, Screwtape. Is that right? Or is it the other way around? I think it's Uncle Wormwood writing to Screwtape. And uh, he's talking to him about how to, how to tempt his patient. They refer to, you know, every demon is assigned to a patient, and then they have to work on that patient. And there's one uh, letter, and, and they're the letters that, that go from the uncle to the, uh, to the nephew. And in one of the letters, he's talking about the church. And he's like, oh, man, the church is it's easy. It's easy to break it up. He says, all you have to do is get them to focus on the sin of everybody around them. And when they're sitting here and he's trying to worship, make sure that he catches out of the corner of his eye that person that he knows you know, yells at his wife, or a person that he knows who, who the sin in, in that person's life. Get him to focus on that. And he says, you know, don't worry. When I'm talking about the church, they, these people, they don't see the powerful church. They don't see the invisible church that's so powerful. Get them to focus on these things. And it's a perfect example of the lie that we can buy into. And what does it do? It divides us up. It breaks up the unity. It makes it so that it's hard for us to get on board. And what happens is we get isolated. I think, you know, I keep coming back to this. All morning it's been on my, on my heart that isolation is the opposite of unity, right? That we would be on an island, that we would feel alone. And that's where he wants us. Peter talks about in his, in his epistle, he talks about that the, that the enemy is kind of like a lion. And he's surrounding us. And he's just waiting to devour this idea that, that he's, he's waiting for his opportunity. Has anybody ever uh, seen the YouTube video, uh, Battle of Kruger? Is it just me? I am the only one. Okay, there's this video. <laughs> there's this video on YouTube, and, and it's, it's amazing. You've got to look it up when you get back. But, but I've tried not to use this illustration, and it keeps coming back, so I have no choice. Um, there's this video of this wildebeest, right? And I'm serious. I know, I know. I have to do it. There's a wildebeest, and uh, you know they're all together and stuff. And there's like two or three lions, and they and they get one of the wildebeests away from everybody else. And you're thinking, oh, I know where this is going, right? So boom, they jump on the wildebeest, and they knock the wildebeest actually into the water. And so you're thinking, ooh, this is not going to end well. So then they go into the water and they start to pull the wildebeest out so they can finish him off. And then a crocodile. I swear, a crocodile grabs the wildebeest. So now the, 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 the lion and the crocodile are fighting over the wildebeest. And you're thinking, this wildebeest is dead like a million times over. Well, you know, the lion finally gets the wildebeest out, and all of a sudden, all the other wildebeest, they had, you know, they had scattered. Well, then they all come back, and they surround the lion. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Because you see all of these wildebeests just looking at the lions. 
And so they kind of like drop the wildebeest, who pops right up <laughs> and runs into the pack. But it's, it's, an, it's amazing because it tells what happens if the enemy can isolate us, if he can, if he can bring us out of the group for whatever reason, for whatever reason, if he can isolate us, then he can have his way with us. He can mess with our mind. He can get us to believe things about ourselves and about other people. And, and we're out of commission. Then you have crocodiles and other stuff coming after you. So what are the, what are the things that come, come against us? What are the, some of those things that isolate us? I think one of the big things is that we're worried about what people think. We come to church and we're, we're so worried about what people are going to think. We're worried maybe that you know, they're, they're going to judge us. Man, if they only knew the stuff that I did. And so what do they do? How, how was your week? Rather than really telling them how our week went, oh, it was great. Meanwhile, you know, it's far from the truth. Because we're worried, well, if I tell them, man, I had it out with my wife this week, then they would judge me. But what have we done? We've just isolated ourselves from the group. We just built up a little bit of wall. Just enough to isolate that portion of our life. So there's not a unity there. And we bought the lie at that point because we, we believed that, you know what, that person is going to judge me and that person is going to, that, you know, we can't be unified. We can't come together in that. And we start, we start isolating ourselves more and more in different areas. And that's exactly what, what Paul is talking about, of, of being humble, being gentle, both sides, that we, would, that we would encourage people to be unified with us and that we would be honest with each other. And you know what? It's hard because, let's face it, okay, people are, people are hard, all right? Scripture makes it kind of clear. John Piper, he says it this way. He says, I'm so glad Paul said that we must endure one another, that we have to endure one another. This frees me from the hypocritical need to think that I or anyone else in the church is perfect. Perfect people don't need to be endured, Perfect people don't need to be endured or forgiven. Paul is not naive. His counsel here is not how perfect people can live together, but how real, imperfect people can maintain the unity of the Spirit by enduring each other in love. We're not perfect. As a matter of fact, half the people you know are below average. (laughs) That was a math joke. I didn't know if that was going to go over. Half the people you know are below average. So people are, people are going to be hard. If you're not experiencing that hardness, then, then there's some area that you haven't been vulnerable in or there's people that you haven't met yet. Henry Nouwen, when he's talking about community, Henry Nouwen says, community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. <laughs> community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Now we go back to the scripture where he says, bear with one another. Be humble. Be gentle. Make every effort. We can see that resonating as we think about the people that are hard to love. So I think that's one of the things that comes against us, is that just dealing with people, the people that are different, people that are hard to love. Jesus talks specifically about us surrounding ourselves with people that we like. You know? And he says, hey, that's, that's easy. What's hard is when you love the people that you don't like or when you love your enemy. That's when it gets difficult. That's where the rubber hits the road. Okay, so, wow. 
Where was I? Um, taking offense. This, this, I think, is a huge one. Um, getting offended isolates us. When we get offended and, and, and we, we take ourselves out, and when we were worshiping, I actually had this memory. I told you I got saved, saved at a Baptist church, right? Well, before long, I got, I got plugged into a, a vineyard church. And so now all of a sudden, people are raising their hands and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, there was this woman, I don't know how, but I always had to sit in her wingspan. <laughs> and it was never like this. It was always like this. And her hand would always be right there in front of my face. And I couldn't even close my eyes and worship because I didn't know the songs. They were all new to me. And I remember that it, would just, it got me to the point where I was so offended by this woman that I, I couldn't worship. And then even when I didn't sit next to her, I'd be on the other side of the church worshiping. I'd see her. Oh, there she goes again. <laughs> and I was so offended by that. So the question is, who's got the issue? Who's got the issue? At that moment, I was isolating myself from the rest of the church. You see what I mean? Regardless of what what she was doing, I was hurting myself. I wasn't worshiping with everyone else. I wasn't unified with the rest of the church. And and why? Because I'm that important? (laughs) You know? That it's that big of a deal? No. And and I think we, we run that risk. And especially now, you know, we got two services, and it's getting harder and harder to keep up with new people and stuff like that. And it can get so easy to be, to be bitter and to, and to remember the good old days, right? To remember the good old days and to reflect on when we didn't have ceiling tiles or when you thought you might get killed by one. You know what I... We're like, you know, the, the, guy, the guy who always liked the band before everybody else did, you know? We run that risk of, of being that guy, uh, uh, and, and what happens is we, it actually turns into a form of grumbling and disunity because, we, oh, man, I remember when we were small, yeah, you know, you, I knew everybody. And, you know, if I wanted to meet with Aunt Lee, it was really easy. But now, you know, I've got to, like, jump through these hoops. And we, we start to do that. And, and what are we doing? Again, we're, we're breaking up the unity of the church. Paul is saying make every effort. You, there, there's this uh, story in, in Acts. The church is exploding. Right? The church is growing like crazy. And, and, and people start complaining that the widows are having a hard time you know, getting, getting their, their meals. And so Peter's like, well, we need to appoint people to do it because we can't do it anymore. We need to appoint you know, deacons to go out and, and, to, and to bring food. Well, imagine being that widow. Imagine being the widow that yesterday Peter brought your meal. Today, Stephen comes. Oh, hi, Stephen. What, Peter's too busy? <laughs> Think about Oh. Well, when Peter came, you know, he always came and sat down with me, and we prayed together. Stephen, are you going to pray with me? I mean, you see how easy it would be for her to be offended, for her to be hurt? And and, and I'm not, I'm not, I am kind of belittling it, but, but I mean, it really is, I understand, that's a real hurt, you know? I mean, it was a lot nicer when Peter came around, but the church is growing. Be excited, be unified with the vision of Peter who says, man, we are going to change the world. But she's upset because Stephen's bringing her food. You see what I mean? We have to be careful. As the church grows, two services, three services, whatever, it's going to be harder and harder. It's going to take effort to remain unified, 
to not grumble, to not think about those things. You know, we're a family. And everything that we talk, talk about when we talk about unity, it has application to the family. It's the same kind of thing. You know, in your family, as it grows and changes and stuff like that, it's easy to have the same kind of wounds, the same kind of hurts, to get, to get bitter with a spouse because now I remember before we had kids and, you know, I had a lot more time with them or whatever. It, everything that we're talking about applies to that. And those are the same kind of wounds that we, that we deal with. And some of the wounds are very real. Some of the wounds are very real. I, front page of the Wall Street Journal, the weekend edition, the weekend section of the Wall Street Journal this weekend. Front page, 73-year-old woman was arrested for going to church. Why? Because she had been excommunicated from the church. Did you see that? So they, they carried her away and had her arrested. Now, granted, there is a lot more to the story. I mean, the chick wasn't, you know, totally without some issues. But she had gone to the church for 50 years, almost 50 years, and, and, and had gotten excommunicated and then went back, and so they had her arrested. How many of you know she's going to have issues? <laughs> Pastor called 911. <laughs> right? She's, she's going to have, she, whatever church she goes to, she's going to have a real wound that she's going to have to get over. And that she, in order for her, look, she can be like the wildebeest all by himself and, say, and, and just point out the real wound and relive it every day. Well, I remember when that pastor did this to me. And so I'm not going to trust another pastor. I remember when this church just let them carry me away in handcuffs. I'm not going to be a part of a church. I'm not going to be vulnerable. Well, who are you really hurting? What, what's going to happen? What do you, what, what's the result that you want to have happen? We can't let that happen to us. We can't let ourselves get offended or let the wounds or the things that we've been victimized by come back and victimize us again and again and again. We have to break the cycle. We have to seek healing. We have to to come together in a a community and say, I'm willing, I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to take the risk because it's worth it and because it's the prayer of Jesus. It's the encouragement of Scripture. Paul sums it up really well in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, 12 through 15, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. Be thankful. So many of the things, the solution to unity, are encapsulated in that scripture. That we would put on love, that we would be bound together. That's our prayer this morning. Today we see the physical representation of the truth that we're unified as a church. Today we get to look. I get to look. I get to see everybody. I get to see a perfect picture of of us being unified. But what about next week? The week after that? Or when Antley says, you know, we're going to move to Hollybrook. We're going to 
build a building. We're going to do whatever. When God gives him a vision and he, and, he, and he says, this is where God is going. You've entrusted me. You, you've, asked, you've prayed for me to seek God and to see the vision for, that he has for this church. What's going to happen when that comes out? How are we going to respond? Not in the Super River City Church Sunday, but in the next Sunday and the Sunday after that. We want to see people set free from isolation. We want to see walls come down. We want to see people connect up in a way that they've never connected up before. And I'm not talking about the staff. I'm not saying that they need to connect with the staff. They need to connect with us, the family. They need to come into our family. And as we unite in our vision to see God's kingdom break through in this community, we'll see his purposes accomplished. Let's stand and pray. God, we are so thankful that you have given us a family. We are so thankful, God, that you have given us a family, that you have called us, that we are your chosen people, that you love us. And we pray that you would speak to us this morning about those people that you've called us to, to love. Lord, that you would free us from offenses that we've held on to, to bitterness that hurts us and divides us, that you would break break through this morning, that we would see those walls come down. Free us from the wounds that have hurt us, Lord. God, we echo the prayer of Jesus and ask that you would make us one, that we could praise you with one mind, with one voice. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we head into prayer ministry, just before we do that, I just, if everyone could just stay where you are and slowly turn and just look around you, these, this, just so you, everyone sees, everyone else, you know, and, and this isn't everyone, you know, there's, there are folks who come who worship at different churches on Sunday morning that come and worship with us at night at our young adult and uh, college. We had over 125 people there last week. And it's been amazing to see what God does. But as you look around and as you are with people that love you and you feel loved, just know this, that there are many people in this room today that feel isolated, that feel lonely. And, and some of them will never, you'll never know it because of, of the wounds that they have and, and the desire that they have to hide them and to hold because they've been hurt. And uh, I just have a sense that this morning what God, and this will be a huge risk but he has certainly paved the way for us to trust each other more after this talk. But I think where God wants to do ministry this morning are, are with those people that feel isolated. And, 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 uh, and again, all of us at different times feel isolated and feel alone. I can tell you that for me even, you would think that, oh, everyone wants to be with Antley. But, but I, it's hard. It's hard for us all at different times in our life. We feel isolated and alone. And uh, I think that, that God wants to, to, to break down some of the walls this morning. He wants you to feel healing. He wants you to feel like you can be vulnerable and you can trust people. And he knows that those pains that you have, the times that you've been hurt or turned away or been judged, you know, and you might not have been carried off by the police, but you have been communicated to and you've been told you don't belong. And it's been hard for you to trust again. And so um, what we're going to do now is we're going to have ministry, and uh, we're going to, what which would be great help is if you could, if everyone could kind of move the chairs um, to the, all the perimeters like this, but don't stack them, 
stack maybe um, a, a few on the sides, but then leave a lot of them out so that we can sit and eat with them because we'll bring them back in the middle and use that. Um, and then we'll have this uh, front area over here. Or just we'll just have ministry right here like we always do. So why don't we do that right now? And if, if you would like to receive healing, if you feel isolated, you feel alone, maybe even if you're a visitor and you're looking for a church and you're wondering if this is it, but if our prayer ministers could come down and again, if you could go get your children, if you're not receiving prayer, that would be great. And um, again, everything's set up outside and you can head that way and begin to eat. But don't forget your children.